Sir, I'm going to need you to put your phone away. We're about to take off. No, no. I just need 30 seconds to make this call. Sir, please don't make me call the air marshal. I promise. It'll just take a second. Spearsy, it's me. It's Brad. Hey, I'm about to take off, so don't record without me. I'll be there in like four hours, give or take a little turbulence over Idaho. This is your last warning. I really need your phone to be away. No, just just real quick. Let me just do this quick promo. Spearsy, use this if I don't make it in time. This episode of Stuck in the 80s is sponsored by... The 80s Cruise. Join your Stuck in the 80s hosts along with MTV VJs Mark Goodman and Alan Hunter in spring 2024 for a week-long trip on board the Royal Caribbean Mariner of the Seas. Performers will include 38 Special, Air Supply, Soft Cell, Debbie Gibson, Sebastian Fox, Stephen Percy of Rat, Trey Parker Jr., Sheena Easton, Wang Chung, Midnight Star, Animotion, Real Life, Escape Club, When in Rome, and more. Hopefully soon we'll have a promo code for first-time guests. In the meantime, go to www.the80scruise.com for more information. That's it. We need to return to the gate, and you are going to be arrested. No, no, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm hanging up. Hang on. Spearsy, call my lawyer. Call my lawyer. Call Bob. He knows how to get a hold of me. Ah! Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the music. You can't have the Pretender's first album. That's mine. I bought it. You did not. The catchphrases. Did you have a brain tumor for breakfast? And the wannabes. Sometimes I see you dance around the house in my underwear. Doesn't make me Madonna. Never will. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Spearsy, along with our good friend, Chuck Coverly. Hey there, how are you? Uh, today we tackle more songs from 1989 that got to number two in the chart, but no further. It's part two in our series, Close But No Cigar. Cigars? Cigarettes? Work's been kind of slow since cartoons went to color, but I still got it, Eddie. Chuck is back. I'm back. Oh, back man. from the 80s cruise. <laughs> <laughs> Both of us... Both of us feeling a little worse for the wear, I suppose. You, yeah. Yeah. Not going to say what uh, what I tested positive for when we came back. I'm not going to open that whole can of worms, but it it, it rhymes with blovid. <laughs> <laughs> Baronavirus. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I still have a bit of a cold, and if my voice goes up or down or gets gravelly at any point, it's, it's uh, no need to call the paramedics. It's just uh, chest cold. Um, but... Brad is not here. Brad is on a plane right now from New York to L.A. after another business trip. Um, but no, never fear, because Chuck is here, and he's the one who invented this series. Uh, Chuck, remind people how you came about it. Yeah, so we were going on a long, uh, I'm not going to say cross, it was down-country trip. And I had made CDs for years. I got my first burner back in, like, 96 or 97, I think. And I had done all the number one hits, you know, those kind of, and I was running out of themes to make, so I did a number two figured hey this would be a fun thing to do and on the way down every time a number two song would play my wife Anne marie would look at me and we go how is this not a number one hit like how is this not a number one hit and then i got to thinking about it. i was like hey let's find out what the songs were that kept it from being the number one hit and that's kind of the the impetus for this whole list that i made from i think early 60s up until like the week before <laughs> i sent it to you guys so yeah, yeah into, into the 2000s for sure 
we're we're almost done with it. We're we're on part two of nineteen eighty nine now. Nineteen eighty nine, if I recall off the top of my head, has about fifteen songs that got to number biggie. two. Fifteen is the number of the day. Ah, ah, ah. And so we're going to break it into a few parts. And so we're going to cover four songs today. And then we'll also cover the songs that kept them out of the number one spot. Um, some of these songs, I got to admit, because of what I was doing in my life at that time, I, I don't remember as well. But you do. I do. I was I was working at Six Flags Great Adventure in New Jersey. And it was a long drive to work and a long drive home. And we could pick up uh, New York radio station WPLJ, which played a lot of this, a top 40 station in New York. And as I got closer to Philadelphia, I would put on, you know, the top 40 station there. And a lot of these songs were just on constant rotation. You would hear it at least once or twice during that commute. Uh, so, yeah, so these songs, every one of these songs, when I hear them, I have a very specific memory that is evoked in my brain, either either in college up at FDU, which uh, screwed up everybody's bracket. You're welcome. Everybody March Madness bracket. <laughs> yes, FDU knocked off that number one seed at 16. Um, but, uh, these songs just evoke a memory of that time. And I think songs do that, right? They hear a song and it takes you back to that one moment. They should. That's the point, I think. Yeah. Um, so we're going to get started. I'm going to play the first one. Here's this song that got the number two for two weeks in May, 1989. That's Real Love by Jody Watley. And I, every time I say to somebody, hey, Real Love, they think of her other song, Looking for a New Love. And they, they, they think that the words are, I'm looking for a real love. No, it's new love. This is real love. But you know, I, I think I'm guilty of that as well. <laughs> <laughs> when I saw this, I started singing. I was like, oh, wait a minute. No, that's not that song. <laughs> real Love is from her second album called Larger Than Life. Uh, reached number one on the charts uh, uh, for the uh, black singles and the dance uh, club play charts, but number two in May. And from what I understand, uh, it's written from personal experience. Looking for a new love, which is what we always confuse this with, which was from her first album, was was about a personal experience uh, and and a breakup. The this song "Real Love" is about the next step in her search. Now she's you know looking for someone to have a deeper connection with. That makes and, a lot of sense. And it, when you hear that, when I when I heard the song again this week, the first thing that kind of jumped out at me is it had sort of that Minneapolis sound to it. I mean, you could almost hear like Prince or the Time doing this song. Um, that's intentional. She wrote this intentionally with the idea of having that kind of sound. So she went to uh, Andre Simone who used to collaborate with Prince and he brought that, that edge to it. And actually they turned out to be uh, lovers themselves. They were married for three years in the nineties. So there you go. Oh, well, wow. the, there's a video for it. Uh, it. Brad loves to talk about videos. And since he's not here, I feel like I have to, you know, we'll have to carry the torch for him a little bit. Uh, David Fincher directed this one. And of course, most people know David Fincher today from, you know, fight club, the girl with the dragon tattoo. Um, Seven. 
seven. Oh God, I can only watch that once, once, and that's it. What's in the box? <laughs> What's the- <laughs> Guys, oh. oh man, people who you don't own that on DVD, right, or anything? I, you know what? I, Maybe. I don't think so. Okay, no, I don't, I, I don't think I, I just bought wonder it. about that. That is one that you just see it once and you go, that that was enough. Right. Yeah. I don't need to see it over and over again. Uh, but the video for this, um, it, it was nominated for six MTV Video Music Awards, which at the time was a record, which seems like a low number for a record. But it was a record until Michael Jackson, of course, mm-hmm. uh, and Janet Jackson broke the record in, with their video for Scream, which got 11 nominations in the 90s. So You don't hear much about the music videos anymore. You know what I mean? Like they're They're there. It just doesn't seem to have as much of a grab on on popular culture, I think, anymore. They don't move the needle any on sales, probably. Right. So there's really no justification for spending a lot of time or money on them. That's why I wonder if a lot of these records that were set back then are just going to last forever. Maybe. Never never to be broken again. Do they still have... I, I, this is a stupid question I should know the answer to, but I, I don't even know. Does MTV still have the Video Music Awards? I mean, when it's not really an art form anymore? I think so. I think I saw something about that. You know, I watch uh, MTV Classic. They have the I Want My 80s on there, and I have my Google TV set to record it, and it always pops up. And I'll, we'll sit there and we'll watch some of these 80s videos, and they have commercials. And I, I think I remember seeing a commercial about the Video Music Awards huh. not too long ago. You know, you know what's so cool, and I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to make this a habit because I know the people who don't go on the 80s cruise probably don't, don't love hearing us wax on too poetically about it. But one of the things I love about um, early MTV and and the VJs was uh, someone like Mark Goodman, who when he's on the 80s cruise, which he, he's been one of the hosts for it every year, anytime somebody does a costume that's MTV related, he runs up to them and, and gets a photo with them, especially if he's if it's someone who's dressed as as him. Uh, and it happened again this year. People were dressed up as the original MTV VJs and he w- stopped whatever he was doing and, and snuck up and kind of like photo bombed their photo and it was just like that's so cool you know what he he never forgot where he came from yeah you know what i mean i, I mean i know he he had a, a life as a dj in philadelphia and other places before that but that's really you know when you're just a face i mean when you're just a voice you know on the radio it's much different than having your face all over the tv every day uh you know on mtv like it was back then that's that's how we got to know these people yeah no it's just i at, every year melissa my wife uh it's her um, annual tradition to get a photo taken with him every year. And she does. And, and she had hers taken with him right after he photobombed the MTV VJ costume. Of course. So <laughs> this was actually the first year, believe it or not, that I got my picture taken with either one of the two original VJs. I, I've you know gotten pictures taken with uh, Nina back in the day, but this was the first time that I actually got pictures taken with both of them. And it was our seventh cruise. I don't know what wow. I was waiting for. Yeah. Wow. No, I I remember on the very first eighties cruise, I was I was using the the restroom, and I look up and Alan Hunter is right next to me using the the urinal next to me, and, and it's like rule number one. What's rule number one in in the men's bathroom? You don't talk. look. You don't look, you don't and you look. don't what? You don't talk. You don't talk. Exactly. You know and the you rules. Did both. I did both. <laughs> I feel like an idiot. And I, so anyway, but I, I, you know, that's what you do. So <laughs> anyway, 
You might be wondering to yourself by now, what song kept Jody Wiley out of the top spot? It is this song. That's Forever Your Girl by uh, Paula Abdul. She kind of ruled 1989. I, I know we, we're going to talk about her a lot. Yeah, she we... was she was somebody who I think just seemed to come out of nowhere, right? Yeah. And just kind of took things over. Yeah. Again, another person who was looking to capitalize on the Minnesota sound. And so her music, same thing. I mean, everyone was trying. I mean, Prince was printing up gold bars at that point, you know, so... You know, and for good reason. It was it was a cool sound. We loved it, and we wanted more of it. So, of course, you know, everybody in the late '80s was trying to replicate the sound. Um, Forever, your girl spent two weeks at the top of the Billboard charts. Um, it uh, also had a music video directed by David Fincher. <laughs> I guess he <laughs> well, did I'll be most mentioning of it again later. Yeah, he did. I guess he he kept himself busy in the late '80s. Is what we're basically trying to say. Oh yeah. So, uh, no, I, 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 I'm, I'm a fan, you know, I, I, you know, I'm kind of been on the record before about not really connecting with the music from the late eighties and it's not, it's not, has nothing to do with the quality. It just had to do with, I, I wasn't driving back and forth for two hours a day to give myself the chance to listen to the radio. And I, and I certainly didn't have radio stations as cool as you had. I, I had Florida radio stations, which were just playing, you know, mainstream FM, you know, journey nonstop. So that that's where as well reruns yeah it feels like it feels like it now <laughs> anyway it's your turn what's your first song uh that was number two in 1989 all right so here's my first song uh this number two hit from the summer of 1989 Okay, and this song was initially uh, never intended to be released in the U.S. It was only released in the U.K., and apparently some fan of this artist, and I'm not going to tell you who it is right away, sent a cassette tape of this song to another fan in the U.S., and a programming director from the, the New York radio station that they mentioned, WPLJ, got a hold of the song and played it on a continuous loop almost on that radio station without saying the name of the artist, only referring to him as a mystery singer, inviting the listeners to offer their guesses on who they thought it was. And that's kind of what I want to do right now. Like, who do you think this person was? Uh, if I had to guess, not not already knowing the answer, I, it kind of sounds like George Michael to me. Yeah, I had zero idea and this was you know during those trips back and forth i remember hearing this song and a lot of people talking about it going man this song is a great song who is it who is it who is it well eventually it was revealed with a live appearance of this artist on the radio station on the air in fact that it was donny osmond wow 
Donnie Marie. Um, <laughs> and it's, you know, and what, what, what drives me crazy about this whole thing is they didn't want to release who it was because he had kind of, I don't want to say, because you know, people our age, like we remember the Donnie Marie show. Sure. Was it only 15 years later that they became so verboten that they were just, you couldn't talk about Donnie Marie in the 80s? Like, I understand that they had kind of fallen out of the, the music scene at that time. They weren't doing the synth pop and the rock that was dominating the 80s at the time. You, but, you know, man. It's, I, I've been thinking about this ever since I saw this name pop up. And I, I think of it in the same time. If if the Captain Tennille had had Soldier of Love in 1989, they would have fared the same way. There there was a break in the late 70s. I don't know if it was disco. Like disco hit. There was the disco revolt. People said absolutely no more of this. And it was almost kind of like people did a hard reset on music. And if only a few bands seem to transition like the, the the mainstream rock bands were able to transition through it you know like the the journeys the sticks aerosmith yeah you know, i, I think you're right there, there was a different definite change in the music landscape at the time and they it just was not meant for them you know i, I don't think marie had any hits at all and i know that the osmonds as a, as a group kind of transitioned more towards country yeah, a little bit country, a little bit rock and roll, <laughs> and this song is really neither of that at all. Um, you know, eventually he was he was signed by Capitol Records, and the song was released nationwide. But the other radio stations were kind of following their lead and not saying who this was, getting the airplay, getting a lot of requests for it, and then you know saying, "Hey, by the way, this is Donny Osmond." I, I know mean, it's, he... another thing that's crazy. He he was only thirty one. Jeez. When this song was recorded and he was considered, you know, passe and uh, washed up and old. Well, I mean, look at uh look at the Bee Gees. They didn't they didn't get out of the seventies alive, really. Yeah, no. Um there's there was a lot of bands that didn't get out of the seventies that just hit a hard stop and I don't I don't there's some sort of curse that was spread on them and it's not fair, but it's just the way it is. And there, so. there was kind of a curse spread on the the songwriting team that wrote and produced this, Carl Sturkin and Evan Rogers. Um, felt that they were getting boxed in as R&B writers, even mm. though they were white. So uh, he actually said that, you know, they grew up listening to the Beatles and the Bee Gees. They knew how to make pop records, but they hadn't really gotten the chance. So when they had a chance to make a record with Donny Osmond, who he claimed is the whitest guy on the planet, uh, they they took a chance and the song went to number one or no, went to number two. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's crazy. This is a song where you hear it and you think. Is this an 80s song? Because you just can't put your finger on who who sang it. And it's probably not breathy enough to be George Michael. And, and, the, and the lyrics are probably a little too popcorn-y for, for George Michael. But it is a solid 80s pop song. Oh, yeah. And one thing I, I found out in doing the research for this was that it was originally written for Evan Rogers, who was the other half of that, that uh, songwriting team. He had recorded it, and they had... Um, Donny Osmond sing over it originally going to just take off completely the, the vocals of the of Evan Rogers but yeah. they left some of the vocals in because he had more of a soulful, soulful voice uh. than the whitest guy on the planet <laughs> so, well, yeah. so some of the vocals that you hear on there are actually Evan Rogers who was one of the songwriters interesting interesting yeah. so what what song kept it out of the number one spot it, it was kept out by Rock On by Michael Damien
so ironically, I think it's interesting that Donny Osmond was so pigeonholed as like a 70s star that it took this song, which is a remake of a David, David Essex song from 1973, um, that kept it out of the number one spot. Okay, that explains, because I, I know I, when I heard this, I'm like, wait a minute, this is not an 80s song. Right, and it's almost a note for note. It sounds so similar yeah, to like, the original. He didn't really venture very far away from the original formula. That, that doesn't feel like an 80s song at all, but, that, no. but that's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's still a good song. I mean, yeah, it's... and it was, the reason why it exists is it was featured in the 89 uh, film Dream a Little Dream by, uh, starring the two quarries. Oh, who appeared I, in the music video for the song? So it was. You know, there was a reason why it was written. I didn't. I didn't see it. Did you see it? Um, I do have to admit on here that I did. <laughs> no, I did not see that movie. <laughs> <laughs> um. So this version, what I find interesting is that it ranked number ninety nine on the uh, one hundred greatest one hit wonders of the eighties, despite the fact that he had four other hits in the top one hundred, two of which were top forty hits. Oh, when I listened to nuts. Them, I had no recollection. But to be fair, when you have a song that's a number one hit and you have other lesser songs, you're going to yeah. be known for that number one song. One of the things I would love to ask a band who embraces the idea, idea that they're a one hit wonder is I would really like to get into their minds about their comfort level with that label. Do they, yeah. you know, because I mean, I would love to be so successful as to have a number one hit. If, if that's the only thing I ever did. I think you're set for life, right? If you have a number one hit, you're good. I think so. You're good to go. But I mean, I still would want to know. I mean, I'd still want to, I'd want to be able to ask him, but I don't want, there's no band that I've ever felt comfortable with or an artist saying, you know, a lot of people call you one hit wonder. Let's talk, <laughs> let's explore that a little bit. So, so, I, so I, as an aside next year, I think you're going to have your opportunity because we've got <laughs> like three or four, one hit wonder bands joining the the eighties cruise. I don't yes. want to, you know. I, I'm not, not going to name names, but you, but you yeah. are correct. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll take one for the team. I'll go to the Q and A's and I will ask that question. <laughs> just, just, just for, just for Spearsy and for the the uh, the the podcast, I will go and I, and do that. And I, I'm sure somebody's asked them that before. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's, it's not like it's, they don't know. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's not like it's all of a sudden like, oh, oh, yeah, we only have one hit. Like, I think they know. It's, right. It's, it's an interesting question, right? That, that can be asked. On the rare occasion that I ever get to interview an actor and you're asking them about something that they filmed 40 years ago, um, I always kind of wondered, are they really sick of answering this question? Like, do they, you know, no, I do not remember what I ate for lunch on the set of Breakfast Club. Please do not ask that question again. No, I didn't really eat pixie sticks inside of two pieces of bread kind of thing you know so at least with musicians you're asking questions about songs that they still play every night so you feel like there's an opening there as opposed to an actor who look i read those lines 40 years ago i haven't thought about it since right right <laughs> yes it's, it's they just played it last night they'll be playing it tonight and they'll be playing it you know another hundred times this year right um yeah. Are there any other industries, entertainment industries, where you would have something like a one-hit wonder? Like, is there that actor that was phenomenal in a role, maybe even won an Oscar or some award, and then never did anything else <laughs> worthwhile? Um. Well, <laughs> that could, I mean, that could be a discussion. We'll have that discussion. Yeah. I mean, online, the, thought, maybe. the name that comes to well, Crispin Glover was obviously really big in 
Back to the Future, and you can sort of argue he never approached that fame with any other role. You could sort of say the same with Cuba Gooding Jr. I'm sure there's some people that you could say that about, but that that is an interesting question that should be explored a little bit more. (laughs) Yeah, we'll do that online. (laughs) In the meantime, here's number two. Here's the second song of mine from 1989 that got the two and no further. Too hot to handle, too cold to hold. They called the Ghostbusters in the end control. Had a throwing party for a bunch of children. Well, all the while, the slime was under the building. So they packed up and moved, got a grip, came equipped, grabbed their proton packs on the back, and they split. Find out about Beagle, the master of evil. Trying to battle my boys? That's not Beagle. That is On Our Own by Bobby Brown. And I can say On Our Own all the time, and no one knows what the hell I'm talking about until I say, you know, his song from Ghostbusters 2. And there was, I, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. It's called, okay, it's called On Your Own. Yeah, yeah, you know it. Get, get out oh, my God. This is, what, this is the earworm for me this week. I played it a few times while I was writing the notes. And then I asked Melissa, my wife, you know, do you do you know On Your Own by Bobby Brown? Because she's much more to R&B than I am. She's like, nope, nope, I don't know. And so I put it on. She's like, oh, the Ghostbusters 2 song. Negative human emotions are materializing in the form of a viscous psychoreactive plasm with explosive supernormal potential. Much like the the the, the, the previous song I repped, it hit number one on the, the Black Singles chart and number two on the Hot 100 for three weeks in June 1989. Um, everybody knows Bobby Brown. He got to start with a new edition starting in 1978. I don't think I knew that it went that far back. I didn't know that either. That was surprising. Yeah. He left in 85 for a solo career and he would have a lot of luck along the way. Not luck. I mean, let's face it. No one has. It's not luck when you have several number ones along the way. Uh, My prerogative, every little step, which also won a Grammy, by the way. That was that was one of my BMG CDs, I think, that I got, you know, with my 12 for a cent. That I had sense in my college yeah. dorm, uh, yeah. and that one got played all the time. That whole album, Tenderoni, was on there. It was a great album. <laughs> you're, someday you're gonna have a memoir. It's gonna be called 12, 12 for a Cent." That's it. The Chuck Coverley story. Yeah. The um the message of this song: Go see the movie. <laughs> um, so and it worked. Th- yeah, there, there might there might have been a deeper message to it, but the, the main message: Go see the movie. Um, the story is. Bobby was specifically recruited to sing a song for the movie, just like Ray Parker Jr. was for the first Ghostbusters. Um, He was invited to the movie set, got to visit with the cast and the crew. Uh, Ultimately, he agreed to do the song in exchange for having a small role in the movie. Do you remember what role he plays? Um, He was one of the people that said, hey, it's the Ghostbusters when they came busting into somewhere. Is that right? He's the doorman at yeah. uh, Gracie Mansion. Oh, Ghostbusters. How you doing? Hey, guys, come right this way. Hey, you guys got another one of those proton packs? My kid brother really wants one. That proton pack is not a toy. Pouring one out for our friend Brad. The video features uh, Bobby singing the song on billboards that are on buildings around New York City along with scenes of the movie. 
there's cameos from just about everybody that they could drag off the street. Uh, Amon, Victoria Jackson, Jane Curtin, Rick Moranis, Marky Ramone, Christopher Reeve, Laurie Singer. It's just kind of like, hey, 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 isn't that Christopher Reeve? Hey, you know, get on a bicycle and ride for 20 seconds while we videotape you. So and they were just hanging around New York City and just grabbed them for the video. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, it's probably everyone called in their favors and they let's make this video. It's it's a fun song. I, I like this song. I you know, as far as songs go, we, we I think we once we had a series in the podcast called Good Music from Bad Movies. <laughs> And so we had, I, I I don't know that we featured this song, but we probably should have, even though I like Ghostbusters 2 just fine. So not, I'm sort of in the minority on that, I suppose. No, I think it, it was, it was very, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Ample. Um, it was, my, it was my, my brain just shut down. It's able. <laughs> it was able. <laughs> I, I just like Vigo. I like Vigo. Vigo. <sighs> and baby Oscar. Yeah. Uh, anyway, to to every uh, daytime there is a nighttime. In this case, kept out of the top spot by this song from another soundtrack. Prince with Bat Dance. Hmm. Just doesn't Can I say quite- I'm the... Yeah, I'm not a big fan of this song. I, I seeing that this was a number one song, I was really surprised. Like, I know Batman was huge. It was what it was the biggest movie of 1989 or something. Probably. I, I just I didn't like this song. It it's but, not. There's nothing to it. It's just. It. I, I mean, I don't. I I don't. I mean, we. I hate to. I hate to 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 dump on any music from our beloved decade. But it feels like Prince was phoning this one in a little bit. Well, it's almost out of our decade. 89, you're allowed to dump a little. Because <laughs> next year is 90, and you can dump yeah. all over it you want. But yeah, this it just there's no hook. There's yeah, nothing the vi- that really kind of grabbed you. There's no. no no one hears that song, I think, and then has that earworm stuck in their head for the rest of the day. Yeah. Um, thankfully, uh Bat Dance does not get credit alone for keeping on your own out of the top spot. Another song also hit the top and kept Bobby out. Uh, This song from Richard Marks. Now, this song I actually like. I like a yeah. lot. Thank God for Richard Marks. <laughs> I have that tattooed, but on one part of my body, I won't tell you. I think I've interviewed Richard Marks twice and at least talked to him casually once or twice. N- nice guy. He wrote a great memoir that we've talked about on the podcast. That's If you're going to read it, I highly recommend getting the audio version. Uh, he's a great storyteller. Yeah. If you, have, if you get a chance to see Richard Marks, if he's anywhere near you, go see him. Yeah. He has an incredible stage presence, uh, his humor, the storytelling, uh, just a, a great, a great artist. He tells the story, I think, on stage, and I know he tells it in the memoir about this song. He wrote it for Barbara Streisand, and she loved it, but she didn't record it because she told him, quote, she'd never be right there waiting for anyone. 
Touche, Barbara. Uh, the song is actually a love letter from Richard Marks to his then wife, Cynthia Rhodes. She was in South Africa shooting a film at the time. So there we go. That's where we get, uh, that's what keeps Bobby out of the top spot. So what's the, uh, what's the last song on your list for this week? Uh, my, my last song is Express Yourself by Madonna. was on her fourth studio album like a prayer it was the second single released behind the very controversial for the time like a prayer which went to number one pretty much everywhere in the world i don't know yeah. if you remember all the <laughs> sort of, i sort of kind of remember song. that happening yeah yeah that's i think everybody at the time remembers that and I, again i have a very specific memory of where i was listening to that song in college uh the main inspiration behind the song was female empowerment telling women that they should express themselves and not settle for someone who doesn't put them up on a pedestal. The uh, music video was directed by the super video director, David Fincher, as we've already mentioned, who was inspired by the 1927 film Metropolis. Um, so there was a lot of buildings and trains going you know, through the buildings. And uh, at the time, the budget of the video was $5 million. And that was the most ever for a music video at that time. And it's still to this day, the third most expensive uh, music video ever made. Wow. I mean, I, I could guess maybe what number one is, um, what, thinking, but I probably uh, would be wrong. I would think thriller, but uh, this song came out like seven years after thriller. Right. Yeah. And so it wasn't probably sledgehammer either. Cause that would have been 87, six, 86, 87. 87 yeah. You're right. 86, I think. So, Hmm. I, okay. I, I think there's email us. If you figure it out, people That's right. Do it that way. Yeah. We're not doing uh, everything for you. So the track was a number five single on pretty much every chart at the time, except for Denmark and France. Um, but you may be asking yourself what song had the juice to keep this juggernaut out of the first place position. Actually, it took two songs to keep this one out of the top spot. And the first was this hit by Simply Red. And that was the remake of the 1972 song by Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, If You Don't Know Me By Now. So, Spearsy, tell me what you think about this song. <laughs> I like I like the 1972 version a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a great song back in the 70s. Uh, this song was a number one hit. It was actually, it was the second number one hit by Simply Red in the U.S., the first one being that huge hit, Holding Back the Years. Um so this song actually won the Grammy Award that year for the best R&B song of 1989. Really? Yeah. Not the best dance club hit song for 1989. <laughs> <laughs> and 
an interesting note, both holding back the years and if you don't know me by now, while reaching number one in the U.S., where also their own close but no cigar songs in their native U.K. only reaching number two there. Oh, interesting. That's but they were number twos here. Yeah. So that made me think, hey, maybe we have a whole other. Oh, wow. Right. <laughs> so the we, you know, we could, refuses to die. We could do a series just for Cliff in the U.K., just for him. That could have all the the number twos in England. We'd, we'd have to rename it though. It couldn't be close, but no cigar. We'd have to find an English phrase like you know, just miss the biscuit or something like that. <laughs> uh, Trademarks I... these years, yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> the other song that kept this out of the number one spot uh, was this song by Martika. And that was Toy Soldiers. Uh, the song was a, the second single from her eponymous debut album after More Than You Know, which peaked at number 18 on the Billboard Hot 100 earlier in the year. And I'm going to ask all the listeners, do they know anything about this song? Have they ever heard this song, More Than You Know, by Martika? I listened to it, and I have no recollection whatsoever of uh, the song. No, but then again, that's not saying much for me, because I, like I said, I was not listening to music as much as I should have. See, I'm wondering if maybe it was the top 10 that just had the constant rotation. And to hear the other stuff, you had to tune in at three in the morning or listen to Casey Kasem. Well, you know, countdown. it's funny because we have this other series that we do on the podcast. And I think the next episode is going to be one of them called Change Up, where we go through a particular year and we pick like the really popular songs. And we say, well, instead of listening to this song, why don't you listen to this song from the same album? So I, I wonder if something like More Than You Know would come up. Then. Might pop up in that, yeah. I mean, it's not a bad song at oh. all. It's it's a dance tune, but I just had no recollection uh, about that song at all. At all. Uh, so Toy Soldiers was written by Martika. She wrote it herself uh, about a friend who was battling a cocaine addiction. And, and uh, VH1, well, before I even mention VH1, I just watched a uh, an interview with her on Australian television taken a few years back where she mentions that Fergie, uh, from the Black Eyed Peas actually sings backup. So you hear her singing on that song because oh, she was in Kids Incorporated huh. with her. She, you know, Martika was there and pulled her friend in to do some backing vocals on there. So Fergie Ooh. went on to have her own success. Um, but yeah, VH1 placed this talking about the one hit wonders again. Uh, they put her at number 67 on the 100 greatest one hit wonders of the 80s, despite the fact that she had placed three other songs in the top 40. See, this. So, this 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 kind of convinces me that my 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 life goal should be to to secure a job with VH1. I don't know if they still exist as a corporate entity, but I should be allowed to go in there and fix some of the wrongs that have been done. And I love their lists, but they need some tweaking. And well, there there are some of these you'll see on Facebook. Um, I see I don't know who it is that shares them, but it's the greatest one hit wonders of the decade. And you'll see bands on there that are huge that had multi yeah. hits. And I'm like, who was making these lists? Like right. what millennials or Gen X's or Z's or whatever Gen X, Gen no, Z's. No, that's what I'm saying. Let me yeah, in there. Was, yeah. Let the pros, let the pros that's from right. Dover come in there and fix things up. 
Um, wow, that's something else. Yeah. yeah. And I wonder this, and it got me wondering, like if they didn't have these mega hits and they had the other, you know, the, the, the smaller hits, if they never had the big one, would the, would you even know the little ones? You Good know what point. I mean? Like, Good would you point. be known for those lesser hits? You know, the, yeah. The, the world may never know. <laughs> Here's what the world is going to know: the, the Seggies. We, we get emails from time to time from people who say that they they incorporate our hammy transitions into the Seggies into their everyday lives. Like, like uh, there was one guy who had said, you know, he would he'd he'd be talking to his wife because you know would be really good right now. The Seggies. <laughs> That's great. I don't. I. I don't think I ever do that. I, I. You know. I could be wrong. I do say fact check true. Yeah. Several times. I. I owe that one to Brad. Yeah, he does that. Um, I'm trying to think what else. We always end up saying the same things to each other when we message each other first thing in the morning. It's always like you know greetings. You know, Mr. Hand, Aloha, Spicoli, all, you know, all those kind of weird, you know, or greeting Starfighter or, you know, greetings Professor Falcon. We have the same like 10 hellos that we, we use every day. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh my God. So, anyway, we have a new Seggy for you. Hence the weird intro music you just heard. The, when we were on the cruise this last time, Chuck and I did a session of trivia, a shorter session that we did in in one of the lounges and Chuck had this interesting idea. And I don't want to steal the story from Chuck, Chuck, tell him how this went down. So I I had this idea years ago and I think I presented it to you guys a few months ago. When I was a kid, I had this record player. And if you remember the old record players, they actually had a 16 setting. Like you could play records super slow. It had 33, it had 45, it had 78. And it also had an N it had neutral. So I would put the needle on the record and I would spin it backwards and try to, you know, detect, you know, I killed Paul or whatever it was, you know, <laughs> listening to the Beatles albums. He didn't kill Paul, but, you know, Paul is dead and all this stuff. So I, I was, you know what? I wonder if we played a song backwards, if the listeners would be able to, you know, identify the song. And I presented it to you guys. And I, I think you, Steve, were like, yeah, I don't know. So you were gracious day. enough. Yeah, <laughs> you were gracious enough to allow me to play some songs and it was a horror theme. So I played a few horror themed songs backwards and we were in that lounge with, I don't know what about a hundred people there. And literally as soon as I started playing the song, hands went up. Yeah. And you know, it was, it was surprising how quickly they were able to identify the songs that we were playing. So I said, there you go. That there, you know, because I think you said there's no way people would get that. And they did. Everybody I, got I, it. I, I think so. Everybody did right away. Yeah. Um, so then I did what two more, one one or two more songs. I did yeah, real quick yeah. on the fly, threw it backwards, and we did it. Hands went up right away. We were giving out swag. Um, so I am so happy that it is now going to be a new Seggy. Yeah. And so we're tentatively going to call it 80s record rewind because we only use Seggy names that I can barely pronounce. <laughs> So, without <laughs> twisting do not my roll yeah. right off the tongue, yeah. 80s record rewind. So, so it's eighties record re- rewind where we put the turntable on neutral and spin the record backwards. So, so Chuck has the first one ever today. He played it for me the the other day. I did not get it. So when he told me what it was, I absolutely could hear it, but I didn't get it. So pay attention. <laughs> Here's our very first eighties record rewind. I can't 
Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. As soon as you hear it, you know what it is, right? Yeah. yeah. There's hands going up all over the world right now. I don't want to. I don't want to give any any hints this week. If if because if if we get a hundred people who write in, then I'm going to feel bad for giving a hint. So we're going to see how you all do first. And if if you struggle with this one, then maybe we'll we'll play it again and give you a hint. They're going to get it right away. If we give the hint, it's going to be too obvious, especially for the people that were. I don't know. You gave me the hint and I still didn't get it. So, I mean, I just think this is one of those things that I'm just not any good at. So um, the other thing is taxes, <laughs> income taxes, <laughs> and anything involving taxes, math, anything taxes involving math. And music played backwards. Yes. I think I used to put that on my, uh, my, my online dating profile. Anyway. Uh, as always, you're up for the postal friendly bottle opener. If you're the winner that's chosen, uh, emails at podcast at sit80s.com. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Again and again, great adventure. Half the time after time of your life. Half the time after time of your life. You can fall in love, reach for the stars, and rock and roll. Steal the show. And now it's time for the Moonlight Special. Save $4 after 4 p.m. on a theme park ticket. And we're back. All right. You know what I was thinking? What we'll do since I, the, the idea of the 80s record rewind was uh, mine, that the winner will get something for free from the foxandpossum.com, my website where I sell a bunch of 80s themed uh, and fun swag type items. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. By the way, I, I love you. Had, I loved you had the '80s cruise uh, t-shirts that year this year that were uh, themed like the love boat because, like the love boat, we were sailing out of you know L.A. for the first time. That's right, and going to Ensenada and going to uh, Cabo oh. San Lucas and Puerto Vallarta. Yeah, yeah, it was it was so apt. Um, the wife loves hers. Um, so that's it. So you email us at podcast at sits dot com. You will get the postal friendly bottle opener, and you'll get a uh, um, swag to be determined from Chuck's at company. a future date. That's right. Yeah. Uh, speaking of thank yous, um, as most of you know, the podcast is supported by listeners via the Patreon program, and basically how it works is people can 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 become sponsors of the show for as little as two dollars a month, and uh, or annual donations work too but i mean literally like 10 bucks gets you gets you in there and for that you get invited to zoom happy hours every month and we have a virtual drive-in theater presentations and you access to a, a blog that i write for or that brad writes too for the for the patreons or the patrons so uh we wanted to sp- say a special thank you to to some of our most recent uh patrons peter curris uh carrie bilstein alex sue and what's this Anne marie coverly how about that? Wow. <laughs> so I need to send yep. her a thank you note. I actually she wanted to show so. the support. So yeah, we, we look forward to doing those. We we have a lot of fun with usually it's sometime usually it's on a Sunday night. We have these happy hour Zoom happy hours and uh and alcohol is not required, but it is suggested. it's not. <laughs> I would say ninety percent of the time I am not uh drinking, partaking. But um but, uh, Brad also likes to throw together these virtual drive-in theaters where even has trailers that would have appeared at the theater the same time as the movie that we're watching that night. So he really he goes all out. 
those are they're fun events. I think we've, gosh, we've done like three or four of them. We we're, des- we're desperately in need of a new one. So, uh, and of course, those people can can offer suggestions, and, and and they have our ears. So, we really appreciate all you do for us to help us do the show. Chuck Coverly, we have two more of these to to go. Can you believe that? And then the and then we have to start on the uh, just miss the biscuit series for the UK. <laughs> I'll get on that right away. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, Chuck and myself and Brad, somewhere above Oklahoma, remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is now on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash stuck in the 80s podcast. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And thanks for listening. Yeah.